Beards for Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Beards for Radio podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Sasha. And um, I think we got a little bit of a, um, a depressing start to this episode. Am I right? Yeah, depressing. But you know what, man? I've, I, I personally licked my wounds. Um, uh, watched my U of M Wolverines just get manhandled by Ohio State. And everyone says, well, you know, they put up 40 points. Uh, they put up 40 points, you know, at the end of the game on a soft prevent defense, you know, just like any other smart coach would do. You exchange yardage and a little bit of points for more time and control of the clock. That's what Urban Myers did. That's why they won. Put it down our throats. And our last po- uh, podcast we had, we had Mike with us, um, good, good, uh, mm-hmm. good friend of the program. He said, you know what? I think people, Wolverine fans don't want to be the guy to say, I told you so, and don't want to be the guy to say, oh, man, I should have went with them. You should have, we should have said that Ohio State wasn't going to get their ass kicked. And you know what, man? He's so right, and it's taught me and it's taught me a good lesson, man. I'm not, I'm not pulling any more punches when, when I have a gut feeling on something. You know what I'm saying? I had a gut feeling that Ohio State was going to smash us. I went with the, I went the safe route because I didn't want to be that guy that, Mike was right. saying, you know what I'm saying? But you know what? F it. I'm going to be that guy. If I feel like they're going to lose big, I'm going to say it. And if they don't, they don't. Oh, well. You know what I'm saying? I play the safe way, and I look like an idiot, you know, come Saturday. And I'm not doing it anymore, man. What Michigan needs to do, right, they need to change with the times. They need to get a more progressive offense. You know what I'm saying? They need to get a quarterback that has – I've been saying it all year. I love the way Patterson runs out of the pocket throws on a pocket, makes those RPO plays. You know what I'm saying? He's a very good ball handler. But when it comes to having a pocket presence, the kid throws ducks. And I think that needs to change if if he decides to come back, which, um, you know, I wouldn't be – that opposed to him coming back, but then again, I want to see I want to see McCaffrey and you know and Milton get their get their shots at playing on the field. Um, Pep Hamilton might be out; he might be the front runner for Maryland's head coach job. Which good head go because I haven't liked his offensive play calling the past two years. So um, I think stuff drastically drastically needs to change. I want to see more fire in Harbaugh's gut. I want to see him be more progressive on offense, not just run run pass run run pass. You know, Bo Shambler khaki offense, you know, it's not working. It's not, not working. Good thing is that we have a lot of starters on defense coming back. We're losing Rashawn Gary, but really he didn't play that much this year. We're losing Chase Winovich, but really he was more of a vocal leader, you know, more of a, you know, get these guys riled up because he didn't really do too much this year. And and then he got hurt against Indiana. It was a no-show for Ohio State. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do on both sides. But the offensive side, it, it needs an overhaul. It needs new game plan. It needs a progressive style offense because there's no schemes whatsoever. They're not getting fooled. It's like I'm watching the collegiate version of the Lions, and I'm tired of it. Man. And I think a lot of other players are tired, tired of it. And no more Mr. Nice Guy from Sash. I'm not pulling any punches on, on what I feel in sports anymore. I'm not going to play the safe road anymore. Michigan okay. needs to do this. They're just going to be a 10-2 team every single year and i'm and i'm done with it well sasha yeah i'm hard to disagree with you on anything uh you said there like i totally get where you're coming from you know i don't know if it said anything more about ohio state or michigan that game because um i feel like we all got punked by ohio state like all year long i hadn't been impressed with anything they did since the penn state game uh beginning of october you know yeah. Like, you know, they're playing really close against Nebraska, playing really close against Maryland, getting blown out by Ohio State. And then, I don't know, like, I feel like we all got punked because that seemingly came out of nowhere. And, you know, they came out and scored on their first drive, which, you know, I thought would happen because Urban Meyer is a great coach. And Ryan Day is a really good offensive coordinator and showed he can run the program when Urban Meyer has gone. Um, you know, and then 
And then all of a sudden it was like seven to three, seven to six. And then it was 21 to six. And that's when I was like really surprised when, um, you know, Olave got those two touchdowns and then it was Dixon wide open in the end zone. Like it wasn't all just crossing routes from Ohio state. Like I think they beat Michigan with the crossing routes early and then kind of use that to their advantage, getting downfield passes. Um, so I was like, I was super surprised by the start, you know, 21 to six. And then the, you know, the three play sequence happened that I thought was going to change the whole game in Michigan's favor. You know, the touchdown, fumble, touchdown. They missed the two-point conversion, but I still thought, like, to have played, like, shit in the first half and only be down by two going into halftime, I was like, okay, this changes everything. And then Ohio State went down um, a couple penalties on that drive, but, you know, it happens. Went down and got a field goal. And then, like, I feel like the floods get the floodgates opened with the blocked punt that was returned for a touchdown. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think that block punt just def- – it just totally deflated everything, you know what I'm saying? Because even if it didn't get returned for a touchdown, they're scoring yeah. on that drive, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, right. For, and, and for feeling punked, you're right. I think everybody punked. I think that's why, like, me and Mike were, like, kind of playing it safe, you know what I'm saying, and saying, nah, you know, they haven't really showed us anything. But this shows us that on a rivalry game – any given Saturday in collegiate football, man, a rivalry game might yield more passion than a regular game. You know what I'm saying? And Ohio State just let their emotions on their sleeve, dude, and they played like there was no tomorrow. They played like this is the game. This is our college football championship. This is it right here right now and those guys stepped up and as much as I hate it to say is that Michigan they look like deers they look like a bunch of deer in headlights headlights man they they they, they weren't there they weren't focused they're more scared they got bullied revenge tour it ended it ended the day before Ohio State it ended man it ended in Indiana bro you know what I'm saying so Mm -hmm. and got revenge torn right revenge torn and you know what and and Indiana was hitting us with crossing routes like mad. Don't you think Don? Don't you think Don Brown was thinking, man? Maybe Ohio State's watching this. Maybe we should, you know, scheme for that. Maybe we should change something up. They didn't change nothing up. One of the biggest games of the season. It looked like they just went in there like they were playing against Rutgers. Like they went in there with like the, the a Rutgers game plan. It's like you can't. It's Ohio State, man. And I don't care how bad they're playing. Dude, you cannot put away, put aside the years, the years, the years in hatred that they fill into those players and the players that come in and so on and so forth. I mean, you got Ezekiel Elliott still twittering. I hate, I hate everything about the whole damn state of Michigan, right? Yeah. He's out of Ohio State. He's he's in Dallas. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't, you know, the, the hatred still runs deep past that, dude. So these guys need to find find hatred. When you go in that game, wanting to rip those guys' heads off and spit down their damn throats, man, I don't, I haven't even seen that uh, uh, with, with Harbaugh. You know what I'm saying? Now, I feel like the only way uh, the Harbaugh-Michigan is going to beat Ohio State is if it's no longer in Urban Meyer's Ohio State and Urban Meyer's moves on to something bigger and better. And then if uh, Harbaugh beats uh, Ohio State, I don't feel like big deal. You didn't do it when Urban Meyer's was there. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. It, it needs it needs it needs to change. It need a more progressive offense, and the defense. It you you what me and Mike were talking about was they're gonna blitz too much. Don Brown, Doctor Doctor Blitz, blitz way too much and over pursued, and let Haskins step up in the pocket and give him the option to run it or pass it. And that guy ate us up. So Mister Brown, too much blitzing sometimes. It was his downfall, dude. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm kind of done talking about Michigan until next year. You know, I'm just, I'm just so – I'm not even going to watch a stupid bowl game. I don't care. I don't – what is it, the Callahan breaks, you know, bowl? I don't care anymore, dude. I just it, – it, it, it's it's boomer bust to me at this point. And, you know, like I said, no, no punches being held. I'm not holding any punches, no like nothing. It's boomer bust from now on, dude. It, it has to be college football championship or nada. Uh-huh. 
And look, I'm glad you brought up uh, Don Brown. I want to be a little careful about what I say because I know like a lot of our loyal listeners, we love you guys. Are U of M fans? Um, say it. Say it. Do not pull any punches, Joe. Say it. Don't pull it. If, okay. it, if it's in your gut and you feel it, say it. No more, no more Mr. Nice Guys here. We're going to say it. Don Brown's defense, you know, Dr. Blitz, sometimes he misdiagnoses. Um, Ooh, I feel I like, like they play like the big dog, you know, Rottweilers versus puppies when they're playing – you know, Nebraska when their quarterbacks hurt and, you know, Akron, I mean, maybe not Akron, but, you know, um, Western and SMU, like, I feel like they break down on the smaller teams. But when the moments matter, like against Penn State last year, against Ohio State and Michigan State last year, uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State this year, they go running with their tails between their legs. Like, they get taken advantage of on every level. And I know their defense wasn't completely healthy on Saturday in Columbus, but still, like, take away a, a punt blocked for a touchdown, you still gave up 52 points or 55 points. Right. Like, I, I can't think of any elite defense that does that. I don't care what offense you're playing. And Ohio State's offense hasn't been that good this year. Um, Let me look up the stats, but it's like, I thought going into the game, Ohio State was really one-dimensional. I thought they could pass the ball really well. You know, they do the crossing routes. I thought um, Haskins was a really good passer. But if you shut down the passing game like Purdue did, um, you know, they're they're like the deer in headlights, and they get stuck. But oh, let me get these stats real quick. Again, just talking about Don Brown, I feel like he's a microcosm of what Michigan – has been the last four years. They beat up on the little guys. They're not going to lose any game. They're not supposed to. Like you said, 10 wins a year. Um, but, you know, when the, when the, when the bright lights are showing, it's, they're not going to show up. It's not going to happen. Yeah, most, most definitely. And I think it, 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 just, it just goes to show you that, you know, it, the, coaching, coaching was the edge in this game because Absolutely. Ohio State did – Ohio State schemed everywhere, offense, defensively, special teams even. We're talking about special teams, man, outplayed our special teams. Their defense outplayed our offense. Their their offense outplayed our defense in every aspect of that game. We got outplayed. I don't care if they put up 40 points. Like I said, it was just time exchange. Time exchange in the last minutes. That's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll let you. We'll let you go down the field in eight minutes and score a touchdown. We're just gonna hold the ball for eight minutes ourselves. And by the time you guys get close enough, it's gonna be game time. And that's exactly what Ohio State did. Harbaugh got out coached yet again by uh, Urban Myers. Their defense, offense, special teams outplayed them yet again. And you know what, man? It's. It, it's like, it's like the Lions situation, man. We're telling, we're telling you, dude, you need to get rid of Stafford. <laughs> Stafford needs to go. You know what I'm saying? Harbaugh, yeah. you know, you know, but but we can't get rid of him because such we've invested so much in him. Same thing with Harbaugh. Michigan's invested so much in Harbaugh that we can't just say bye bye. You know what I'm saying? It just, it right. just not. It, it makes no sense. As much as everyone wants to see Stafford gone, as much as everyone wants to see Harbaugh gone, it makes no monetary sense at this moment because we're locked with these guys. We are locked with them, especially Harbaugh, at least for the next two, three years. You know what I'm saying? So this right. guy well, needs he needs to beat the rivals. He needs to beat the rivals, and he needs to get in the CFB because uh, uh, th- that's it. College football playoffs. That's it. That's where his his aim needs to be every single year. His aim doesn't need to be, oh, we need to be Ohio State this year. No, you need to get in the college football championships playoffs because if you do that, then you then you beat in Ohio State. You should be aiming for that. But said they sell themselves short and aim just to beat their rivals. You know, and I'm tired of just oh wanting to beat the rivals because I want to see championships. Those are national championships, man. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know. I disagree with uh, wanting to get rid of Harbaugh because what he has done at Michigan in four years can't be overlooked too much. I know it sucks to have lost in the big moments, you know, losing at Iowa in 2016 and, um, you know, losing to every good team he played in 2017. Um, But, you know, he has done a lot of good at Michigan. I can't believe I'm defending Jim Harbaugh right now. (laughs) What would you make me do? Um, 
<laughs> like he has brought Michigan back to the point where they're knocking on the door. They're just not getting in yet, you know? Yes, true. And, and I'm not saying like personally I want Harbaugh to leave. I'm just, right, you know, right. th- this, is, this is all through the mill of all – you know, this is what you hear. It's c- coming out of Michigan uh, fans, you know, mouths. Yeah. You know, Michigan, like, fans, yes. yeah, Michigan, Michigan fans are eating each other right now. Like they're divided into two groups. There is the bloodthirsty ones, and then there's the ones that will never criticize Harbaugh. You know, obviously, with any fan base, like there's the reasonable ones. I know a lot of people who do see it down the middle, like you and Mike and my friends. You know. Um, right. But, you know, just go on Twitter for like three minutes on a, on a Saturday. And it's, it's a very clear divide between Michigan fans. Like, and they're eating each other. Right. And, like, I, I, I want to give Harbaugh the benefit of the doubt. Because, like you said, these past four years, he's, he's progressed. I, I'll say he's progressed. But we need right. him. We need him to beat his rivals. And the only way you can do that is by setting his precedence and setting his, setting his bar for the college football playoffs that's it you right. get there man you get to beat your rivals if you set your precedent there dude you don't have to worry about setting your precedent for ohio state or michigan state or penn state or notre dame you know what i'm saying you've already set it for higher than that you know what i'm saying yeah. and i think they sell themselves short and they and it's just that it trickled down effect then you know what i'm saying the players think like oh this is the end all be all now that ohio state's you know beat us you know does it matter in my opinion, no, it doesn't matter anymore, you know? And look, by year four, I think you should have accomplished maybe not all of your goals, but a majority of your goals. You know, I don't think you can lean on the, oh, he doesn't have his players thing, because personally, I think he inherited a lot of very good players when Hoke left. Um, They just hadn't been developed forever, and he did a great job of developing them. But look, year four has one game left in it. You're going to play in a good bowl game. I don't know who they're going to play, but, you know, it's kind of like – it's a consolation prize at this point. Um, and, look, year four is just about over. What goals has Michigan accomplished? And everybody wanted to make the Mark D'Antonio, Jim Harbaugh comparisons, you know, like, oh, look at their first-year stats and their second-year stats versus each other. Mark D'Antonio won the Big Ten by his fourth year. You know, he did have to share it with Wisconsin and Ohio State team uh, that eventually vacated all those wins. But he did it, and he beat Wisconsin, and he beat his rivals in Notre Dame and Michigan and Penn State consistently. Um, and, you know, the biggest – his main goal when he got to Michigan State was to beat Michigan and win a Big Ten championship. And he did – his first four years, he was 3-1 and one against Michigan, and then his fourth year, won a Big Ten championship. And he was 3-1 and one against Notre Dame, 2-2 two and two against Penn State, 2-2 two and two against Wisconsin. Like, those were probably the biggest rivals when he got there. And, you know, when you look at uh, Jim Harbaugh, he's got a winning record against Penn State, you know, 2-2 two and two versus Michigan State, and then the goose egg against Urban Meyer and Ohio State and no Big Ten title. He hasn't even gone to Indy yet. Right. Um, so I, I get the frustrations. I really do because by, you know, his, his introductory press conference when he first got hired uh, four years ago was – it was like a celebrity gala kind of, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. He was, he was uh, an appearance at, the, at the halftime of the basketball game that day and everything. And I feel like, I don't know, as a Michigan State fan, if you, told, if you listed like what Jim Harbaugh and Michigan would have accomplished in this time, you know, as a Michigan State fan looking at what they would do, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll let them do that. I don't care. Right, because, but it hasn't. Know, yeah. But it hasn't happened. It has not happened. And I think um, I think people can only give Jim Harbaugh, especially me, you can only give him so much time. You know, I want to see some, I want to see stuff change in the next two to three years. Or like, bro, you gotta go. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, but but a lot of people here in Michigan, they're content with the ten and two. As long as we beat Ohio State or Michigan State for the year, you know, that's good enough. To me, it's not good enough. It is not good enough, and if and right. if all these people think that's good enough, then you know let let them let them become you know Western Eastern you know uh, you know Central fans because you know Michigan needs to do better, especially with the with how highly touted Harbaugh was coming in. He needs to stop with the stupid satellite camps. He needs to stop. Uh, st- 
swinging in tree houses, going to Rome, you know, going to Africa, going to all these places and focus on football. Focus on what goes on in a big house and your away games and what goes on behind Schembechler Hall and you should be good. Don't worry about all the other bullshit, dude. And stop looking like you're taking Percocets or opiates on the goddamn sideline and have some fire in your fucking belly because I'm sick of seeing it, dude. I'm sick of seeing this this just defeated face on Harbaugh with his stupid glasses, Coke bottle glasses makes his eyes big. He looks like uh, uh, that one uh, that one uh, animator crumb you know what i'm saying he just looks like a freaking idiot dude and just sitting on the, with his hands on his head uh hands on his knees and no emotions at least urban myers is running down screaming he's looking at his players in the faces when they do good stuff he's over there hugging his players dabbing his players dapping his players as much as i hate urban myers he's doing everything right maybe not on the domestic violence end but <laughs> but I, on the gridiron he's doing everything he needs to do to motivate his players and give them the tools to win. And e- even though they've had a bumpy road this year, they're probably going to go to college football playoffs again. You know what I'm saying? So as much as we right. hit, hit Ohio State and criticize Urban, what that guy does on the gridiron is one hell of a coach, dude. And I, and I, and I cannot – and I give credit where credit's due. As much as I don't want to give credit where credit's due, it's there, brother. And I, and, and I hate it. Right. Especially from a coach who uh, has brain cancer or something like that. Right. <laughs> I swear, dude, I was getting so annoyed watching the game and how much they talked about Urban Meyer's brain and, like, what was wrong with it. Like, I don't – like, uh, it, that was the most annoying thing to me <laughs> was watching that game. <laughs> um, yeah, before I get too sad uh, talking about Michigan State football and the current state, uh, the current predicament that they have backed themselves into um, – Happy news. I just want to say happy 23rd birthday to my boy Farbar. Um, you know, he's a big supporter of our podcast, listens, shares it all the time. Uh, obviously, we talk about his website a lot, you know. So I just want to say, uh, Farbar, if you're listening, happy birthday, man. <laughs> happy birthday, baby. And go, guys, go check out his hoodies. They're, they're different. It's, it's, it's something new. Um, and, and it's in its uh, progressive mindset, you know, something that we need to see in our football teams, both football teams, especially in the offensive end. Um, but yeah, check out his hoodies, man. His hoodies are off the chain, man. And uh, I might cop one myself. They're cool as hell. So, oh, you definitely should, man. I would, I would recommend it. Uh, with all that said, um, you know, I just feel like I'm better off not even bothering with Michigan State football anymore. Like, I feel like if drastic changes don't come soon, Saturday's game will be viewed as the beginning of the end for Mark D'Antonio and Michigan State football. Because it's one thing to lose at Nebraska in a snowstorm, um, you know, in a, few, in a battle of field goals. It's one thing to lose to Ohio State um, in a defensive battle where you gave up some, you know. One thing to lose to a great Michigan defense when you're not completely healthy. It's one thing to lose – um, on the road across the country at Arizona State in week two on a last-second field goal. But you know what's not acceptable? Is letting Rutgers come into your house on senior day and boss you around. Rutgers should have won that game. Like, <laughs> Michigan State got lucky in a, quite a few spots in order to walk away with a four-point win over the Big Ten's unwanted stepchild, Rutgers. Nobody wants Rutgers in the Big Ten. The Mac wouldn't take Rutgers <laughs> if you offered them Rutgers. And they should have beaten Michigan State in year 12 of Mark D'Antonio's program. And it was that was easily the saddest game I've ever seen. And I almost went to that game. Like, if I didn't bring a dog home on Friday night, I might have spent $2 on a ticket to go to that game. And thank goodness I didn't. Because <laughs> – that team does not deserve my support. That team does not deserve anybody's support. And when I look at the expectations that they had coming into the season, and I thought about what they could do with the talent and experience they brought back and got excited, I forgot one very important detail. Mark D'Antonio is living in 2010 and 2013 and 2015. And even in the last three years, football has changed dramatically in what Big it takes time. to win games and championships. And he doesn't know. And he's going to employ his friends like Dave Warner. And even if he does fire Dave Warner by some stroke of, of luck, 
what's he going to do but bring in somebody else who we worked with at Ohio State, you know, 15 years ago, you know? <laughs> even, yeah, if he brings, even if he brings in a progressive offensive mind, he's just going to have his, his stranglehold on the offense like he was Bobby Knight at Indiana practice. Joe, this is exactly what I'm talking about because if, if, you, if you ask me, dude, you know, talking about Bobby, Bobby Knight-ass players, we talked we, we talk about this last night, is that I think that Harbaugh and D'Antonio's stubbornness and pride is hurting their offensive program. You know what I'm saying? They're almost – we're almost – even though – even though Michigan had a better record this year and states where they're at, I feel like they're the same fucking coach. You know what I'm saying? They, 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 we have good, good defenses. Michigan State and Michigan have good defenses. And then you Great go back defense. on the – right, and you flip on the offensive side – and they're doing this run-run-pass bullshit, run-run-pass bullshit. And I feel like college football, football, football in general is passing these guys up and saying, huh, really? Run-run-pass? Come on, guys. Come on, guys. We're, we're running over, we're over here running schemes, dude. Schemes that Matt Stafford can't even freaking comprehend, so they're simplifying his offense. The same shit that's going on in Michigan's offense, same shit that's going on in the Lions' offense, the same shit that's going on in Michigan State's offense. They're not progressive enough. They're, they're not running around and confusing defenses enough. Defenses know what they're doing before they even hike the ball. And, yeah. and, and, it's, and, it's, getting, and it's getting to the point where you, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot, Think you're gonna wa- win a, 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 a professional uh, playoff game, a professional championship, let alone a college championship, if you're playing this way and relying on your defense. Defense does not carry teams more. There's no Ray Lewis, Lewis type defenses no more. You're not gonna get carried to the playoffs or Super Bowl or you know college playoffs like that anymore. Defensives, there's not. You need to have a progressive offense, dude. We're falling behind in all of Michigan football. All of Michigan football, from the college level to the pro level, we're falling behind. We're not progressive enough to take us forward. And Let let me read you uh, the points that Michigan State defense gave up in the month of November. Uh, First game in November, they gave up three points. Second game in November, they gave up 26, nine of which were directly related to the offense. So, really, the defense gave up 17. Uh, third game in November, they gave up nine points. And then fourth game, they gave up 10. And they were 2-2 two and two in that span. Yeah, man. I'm. It's just – it's very heartbreaking. Our, it, it, I mean, there's, there's nothing more we can say. Just We need, we need progressive offenses in, in our college in – our, in our two highest college teams – and are in the Lions. I don't want to elaborate on Lions, but it's like the same thing. It's like a stagnant offense. Yeah, we don't have to talk about the Lions. <laughs> right, right. But, like, I feel like I have to lump them in because it's like they're kind of like on the same offensive, like, mindset as State and Michigan is with you're yeah. not progressive enough. You don't scheme enough. You know, I, I, we sit there two Mondays ago. We watched the Chiefs and the Rams play one of the best games literally in NFL history. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A fifty to fifty shootout. Defensives didn't do nothing. They didn't do nothing that game. Both defenses got roached. Roached. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I mean, don't care. I don't care if if, if, if the defense scored three touchdowns in that game. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, look, you can't accomplish anything of note in college football or any football scoring 19 points a game, and that's what Michigan State did. If you can't score 20 points a game, you're dead. Like, you can't do anything. Right. Michigan State averaged 19.8 points per game. Points against, they averaged – the defense gave up 18 points a game, even. There's no reason for a college football team that gives up 18 points a game to have five losses. But here we are. Right. like I said, Mark D'Antonio needs two wins to um, break the record for most wins at Michigan State. Like, I hope he breaks the record and then moves on because he's not going to adapt. So eventually he's going to die. And right now he's dying and he's bringing all of Michigan State down with him. Amen, Joe. I think me and you 
have the same kind of outlook on our on our teams, our defenses. I, I, I'll live with the defenses that we're running, but the offenses, they need to change dramatically or, you know, in the next two, three years, Harbaugh's going to be, be ran out of town too. So it just that, that is just what it needs to go down to. Our offense needs to move the times or they're going to fall back. Yeah, too true. Too true. Um, but you know what? Um <laughs> Football season, let's just bury it. Let's bury it because it's done. done. (laughs) I'll probably watch the bowl game, but, like, I don't know. It depends what I'm doing that day, you know? Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely not on my schedule for, like, oh, my God, grab some chicken rings and some fries and a two-liter and watch this, you know? No. (laughs) My day is going to be full that day. I'm going to be doing something else. I'm taking my Saturday back. Yeah, and you should. Um, speaking of this Saturday, we got a big basketball game in Ann Arbor. I know Purdue just dropped one, but Michigan and Purdue are going to be playing. And, you know, obviously, Michigan basketball, I'm a huge fan of Michigan basketball. I feel like I'm a bigger fan of Michigan basketball than most diehard Michigan fans are. And, like, if it wasn't for the name on the front of their jersey, I would love them. But, you know, they're, they're Michigan, and you know how I am. I hate them, but I'm a fan right. of every single thing they do. You know, right? Hey, you're talking to a kid whose favorite player is Magic Johnson. As much as I sit there and I tell you that this year I do not like Michigan State's team because I really don't. I was the same person telling you last year that Jared Jackson and Miles Bridges are two studs that Izzo was not utilizing at that point. And I felt like last year they were the best equipped team to make that run. And I felt like they they could have made it to the Final Four last year, but this year I just I'm not. I'm not big on uh, Cassius Winston. He's awkward to me. He's an awkward player. Not saying that does not work out for some players, but he just is awkward to me. I feel like when he plays against, you know, uh, worse point guards, that he 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 thrives. He excels when he plays two or um, equal to or above players. He kind of falls back and doesn't, you know, meet that challenge head on. I think your okay, best. Well, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this because I think we differ in opinion, not just on Cassius Winston, but on Michigan State's whole basketball team. Right, right, right. And, and I know that I know this was coming, and that's why I'm that's why I'm excited, you know. Right. So no, I'm, I'm excited for this. Yeah, look, um, you're not wrong. Like he definitely has better games against lesser opponents than bigger opponents, but you know who doesn't do that, right? Right. Um look. I've just got his stats in front of me right now. He scored in double digits every game so far this season. Tonight, uh, he had 22 points, six assists, and let me see, zero turnovers, um, which is what I would love to see. And I think Tuesday night in the loss against Louisville, which I'll get to in a second, he really proved his worth to the team because if he doesn't foul out, I think Michigan State wins that game going away, even without Matt McQuaid playing that night or tonight for that matter against Rutgers. Um Look, he, he is more of a true passer at point guard than he is a shooter, but he's a very good shooter. He led the Big Ten in three-point percentage last year, and it wasn't because he was taking two three-pointers a game. It's because he was just finding spaces without the ball. Like, he moves without the ball as well as any point guard I can remember. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just that I just – I don't – he's just awkward to me. I don't like his game. I just – I get that. that his, his shot is a little weird, you know? Um, yeah, his release is a little weird. I'd, lo- I'd like to see him work on it. But other than that, you know, I think he's a great passer. He's not he's not like a Denzel Valentine type of player because he's not as versatile as Denzel was. But he's good at going down and getting the rebounds. I think he has great handles. Um, I don't know. It's hard It's hard to debate because I I feel like we're almost watching a different player, you and I. Yeah. Uh, with with well, in regards to Denzel, Denzel was also also a coach's a coach's kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so like, true. fundamentals are gonna be there. You know what I'm saying? All around. I just like Cassius. I look at him. He's he looks a little hunchback. He kind it's kind of like when I watch Greg Monroe play. You know what I'm saying? And like it, I look at him, I'm like how's this guy moving? He looks like he's like like every time he runs on the field, it looks like or the court, it looks like he's hurting. And I I got the, like the same vibe from from Cassius, and like. I think the your guys' biggest stud on that team is Langford. I think Jeremy Langford's such a good shooter. He has a good yeah, mid range. 
He has decent drivability, could get better. Um, Nick Ward, I last year I said, dude, dude's unconditioned. He looks out of shape. He doesn't look healthy at all. That first that first game when they played Kansas, he was running all over Azabuko, who's a whatever his name is. I can't Azubuko. remember. Yeah, he was running all over him. Nick Ward looks more conditioned this year. The problem is he's still an undersized power forward with no outside presence. You know what I'm saying? And like, if you, you right. go down the line, you can go down the line. It's like Matt McQuaid, great shooter. He's a try hard. He's going to give you 110% you get in the field. You know, Kenny Goins is a power forward listed as a power forward. He's six foot six. He's, he's really undersized as a power forward. You know yeah, what I'm saying? But he, got, he got 17 rebounds against Louisville the other night. Yeah. I'll give you that. But what's going to happen when it comes time where he's playing a bigger guy? You know what I'm saying? When he needs to take it outside, he doesn't have a good outside game. You know what I'm saying? You're three big dudes. Winston, Langford, and Ward. It's, it's nothing to write home about, but it's there. It's, it's right. not non-existent. I want to see that um, – uh, you guys got – I think his name's Hunter. His last name's Hunter. Is there a uh, – uh, Maybe Kithier. Are you thinking about the white guy or the black guy? The black dude. His last name oh, starts with an H. What was his name? Um, I want to. Well, the freshman that I've been most impressed with has got to be Aaron Henry. Um, That's him, Aaron he's, Henry. He's I really like him. Player. He's more of like a wing type player, but he's been getting. He's been awesome at getting into the lane. I'd love to see him on the court more often. You know. Like, yes, that's one dude. I like. I, I see him. I said he's got some. He's got some game. He's a baller. I yeah. I like Henry. I think Henry has a really good ceiling, but I just I look at everyone else in that team. And besides Langford and Ward, I just don't see guys that could take over your team when it really needs to. You know what I'm saying? Well, and you say you say Cassius, I you know how I feel about him. So you know, but but if if Ward if Ward and Langford don't have good games, dude, I don't see you guys being able to have somebody step up in that spot. Well, you get what I'm saying? Ward has always been hit or miss throughout two and a half, two years and up to this point throughout his whole career. He's been like either on fire or is on the bench kind of pounding. He looks a lot more mature this year, I think, in terms of how he handles stuff. Um, but look, you like know. Langford and Winston, they've both scored in double digits each game so far this season through, um, what is it, eight games now. Like, I've, I've been really happy with what I've been seeing from the, our two main guards so far this season. And, you know, we can go down the roster and nobody's really going to stand out to you or me. You know, I know the roster as well as anybody. Um, but it's a lot of players that know their role to a T. They know what's expected of them when they come on the court. And I feel like watching yep. the offense so far this season, it's been a lot more fluid and, you know, it just it flows a lot better than last year when it almost felt like they were – forcing Jackson and Bridges to have good games and like be the stars, even when like maybe it would have suited them better in certain situations to be the role player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Me personally, I, I think Izzo did an injustice, the injustice of Jared Jackson. I think that that guy, it should have been Jared Jackson's team. I don't think it should have been Miles' team. I said that last year. Oh, I yeah. think Jared Jackson is going to be an, an, a, a flipping stud you know, and he's okay. already starting over. He's already, he's, yeah, he's already starting over there. Where is he playing? In, he's playing in uh, with the Grizzlies, correct? Yeah. yeah. So he's already starting. I, I see a, a, such a high ceiling for that kid. He reminds me of like a Garnett type player. And like okay. last year, like I said, last year, dude, I Michigan State's roster last year, you guys had it. I just don't see it this year. I really don't. Right. But, it's just opinion. Right, like I said, like in terms of talent, it's not as much there, but they do have a lot of players who've been in almost every situation imaginable. And like I said, it's a lot of players who know their role to a T. And I feel like a lot of it, a lot of this season is going to be banked on how the freshmen step up into their roles as the season goes on. Mainly I'm looking at um, Gabe Brown, who I want to see more of because I think he's a stone cold shooter like he can knock him down you know right off the bench and you know Aaron Henry who we talked about I think is going to play more than any other freshman this year um mm -hmm. he's a guy actually getting into his backstory a little bit um you remember Gary Harris uh, who played two years in Michigan State he's with the Nuggets right now yes sir uh they're both Indianapolis kids uh Gary Harris and Aaron Henry Harris told Tom Izzo because um Aaron Henry was playing for one of Gary Harris's 
a uh, sponsored AAU teams. He contacted Tom Izzo and was like, look, you got to look into this kid, Aaron Henry, because he's being kind of lightly recruited. Nobody's really looking at him. You know, you got to look into bringing this kid into East Lansing. And Tom Izzo did. And right now, yeah, I think he's got one of the higher ceilings on the team. Right. Probably Marcus Bingham, I think. Um, yeah. And um, I want to get into the, the loss at Louisville on Tuesday. I've, I don't feel too bad about that loss because Matt McQuaid might be the best role player they have. You know, I was talking about players knowing their role. And he's, he missed Tuesday and he missed tonight's game against Rutgers. Um, like, with, with McQuaid out for the game and Winston fouled out with four minutes left, I still felt like the team had a lot of opportunities to win the game. Like, they had a missed dunk, a lot of missed free throws. Kenny Goins got poked in the eye. He said he was bleeding from his eye, and they made him go step up to shoot free throws, and he missed. Um, I'm almost glad that every opportunity they had to win the game, they didn't cash in on because they played sloppy. Uh, it seemed like they didn't really play very hard to begin with, and they, they were right there with Louisville. And I feel like if they had been able to pull that game out, maybe they think they can still not give a full effort and get away with it on the road against a decent team. Like they've been getting down by huge, huge margins and deficits in the first half or or early in the second half, like against Kansas, they were down big against Texas. They were down by 19 really early in the game, but they came back and beat Texas. So maybe they thought they could get away with starting out slow against an athletically really good team in Texas. And then they were down, I think, 12 to, um, to Louisville on Tuesday. Right. And I feel like, you know, when you lose a game like that, you, you're forced to learn the value of, like, a single possession in a game and not, you know, it's almost like a baptism by fire. You've got to be forced into learning how important every single possession is when you're on the road in college basketball. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely true. Um, <clears throat> I just think that also too is that Izzo. We're talking about the, go back to the Bobby Knight thing. You know, I feel like Izzo is one of the last few coaches that are are kind of like Bobby Knight esque type coaches where they're gonna get in your face, and and while they're yelling at you, their veins are gonna pop out of their neck and they're gonna spit in in your face while they're doing it. And uh, we saw that on. Uh, when uh, Cash is fouled out, and that one guy came in and he missed, and he missed some free throws, and this and that, is oh got in his face. It's like, and their their parents, they know that going in. Like, I've I've read like what the players said when they commit to Michigan State and Tom Izzo, and they're like, look, I we know how Tom Izzo is, but he's a guy that demands the best out of you in everything that you do. You know, like that's kind of what it is. Right, but I feel like there's a difference between a freshman who hasn't gone through, you know, the rigors like a junior or a senior has in those positions. And right. you, you can be prepared for Izzo and a, a Bobby Knight type coach all you want. But when it comes down to it, dude, and you got that guy that, you know, red face Italiano in your, in your grill and he's yelling at you and spits flying at you. I don't think you can prepare a kid for that. And I think, you know, a lot of kids nowadays, see, I, I, I'm thick, I'm a thicker skin. I love coaches like Izzo and, you know, Bobby Knight. I went to Indiana basketball camp for five years because I love the way Bobby Knight coaches get in your face and do something wrong. Hold your, hold your kids accountable. I love that. That's how I grew up. But these kids nowadays, they're not like that, Joe. You know what I'm saying? A lot of kids shut down when you yell at them, when you get in their face. You know what I'm saying? They take it as, oh, right, that's a bombardment, not, hey, this man loves you to the point where – He's going to say something to you. If he doesn't give a shit about you, trust me, dude, he'll turn his back on you. And you know what I'm saying? Me, I take that as if my coach is in my face, he's yelling at me, then he sees something in me. He sees that I can be better. He sees that I'm not pushing myself hard enough. You know what I'm saying? Some other, and if he turns back on me, I'd be like, man, he really doesn't, he really doesn't believe in me. He's turning his back on me. That's how I think. It's a lot of kids and, you know, people my age think, but these new kids coming up, these 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds, man, they don't take that kind of constructive criticism well. So I think in essence, you know what you're getting. You still need to change with the times and not be that much of a prick, but not be that much of a nice guy. You, it's a fine, it's, it, it's that fence line, you know what I'm saying? And you're walking that fine line. And I think Izzo needs to find that fine line too, you know? 
Right. And look, I think he's been more progressive um, in terms of like his scheme and the way he recruits than we've given him credit for. And a lot of people have given him credit for. Um, But, you know, if he doesn't get in your face as a freshman, then like it's going to be more of a shock to you when he gets in your face as a sophomore and then a junior and then a senior, you know? Hey, Joe, I Um, agree. I agree. Get get in my face. Tell me if I'm doing something wrong. Get in my face. I want to know. I know what you're saying. But he's also, you know, if you dive after a loose ball, if you take a charge, he's going to run up to you. He's going to pick you up even though you're three times his size and hug you, you know? That's true, too. And that's what makes that's what makes Izzo such a great coach. He's one of the greatest coaches in Michigan sports history. I love Tom Izzo, but I just think that he needs to think a little more progressive now. I think I think it's it's time for a change because not only have we talked about football changing dramatically in the last two years, basketball's tra- changed so much dramatically in the past three four years that I feel like sometimes people need to think a little more progressively. I think Izzo is such a such a you know he's Italian, bro. They're stubborn. Yeah. Italians are stubborn. They're proud people. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's hard for him to to let go of everything that's made him successful. You know what I'm saying? And it's tough. Right. And, and, and I'm not saying it should be easy for him, but I just think that's what route personally he needs to go. I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but that, that's just what I'm seeing right now. Right. You know, I, I also would love to see him be a bit more progressive, but, you know, he's nowhere near the level of like Mark, Mark D'Antonio, Dave Warner at this point, you know, thank goodness. Right. Um, but yeah, um, moving on to Michigan basketball. Um, take this how you will, like with caution, whatever. Um, Say it, baby. No, no more punches pulled, Joe, remember? <laughs> watching them right now reminds me of watching Michigan State at this point last year, where they're playing top five, top ten teams. You know, they're playing on neutral sites on the road, and they're just toying with teams. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And hey, like, you, you win by 18 points, and it wasn't even that close. Right. And you know, Joe, you're, you're absolutely right. Dude. They got, they're like, hey, I said it, I'll say it again. Michigan State team last year, I love the way they were built. I just didn't think they got utilized properly. I think Beeline is utilizing his guys properly. When I watch Michigan, it's almost like, it's almost like, how can I say this? It's almost like I'm watching an, uh, an NBA team. They play fast pace. They, they shoot a lot. They, uh, they, they're assists a lot. They spread the floor. They put a big man in the middle in Teske. Teske had five blocks last game. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Beeline, is, Beeline is urging him to shoot more threes. And, he, and even though he missed the two, three threes that I saw him shoot, it's not like he doesn't have, like, a horrible form. He does have a pretty good form. I like I like Brzezikas can take it in and out. Matthews can take it in and out. Uh, Poole is one hell of a playmaker. I like Livers and Brooks coming off the bench. I really, really like the way this Michigan team is set up. They can do almost everything. They remind me of a fast-paced NBA team. And and and, and I got to credit that totally to Beanline because he has such a progressive mindset, especially forty-five years, something like that. Head coach forty-five years in the in college, and it's. And he's he is he's he sees it. He sees it and knows that he has to change and he has to get more progressive. And you know what I'm saying? And dipping into Canada, you know what I'm saying? You can talk about RJ Barrett, dude, down in Duke. He's from Canada, dude. All these all these Canadian talents, you know what I'm saying? People aren't tapping into them enough. And I think Beeline, when he went out and got Mo Wagner, I think that made a lot of Canadians think like, oh crap, this guy, you know, we can you can get recruited to play for D1 schools, you know what I'm saying? I think the Canadians are coming out of the fray, you know what I'm saying? So I think Beeline stepped up to that, and I think bringing in Wagner was one of the most progressive things he could have done since he's been there. uh, Nick Stauskas before that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about Stauskas, you know what I'm saying? And you got got Trey Burke, who are these – you know, it kind of reminds me of D'Antonio. He gets these three-star recruits, dude, and then he develops them. He makes them into these studs that – 
they weren't when they came and they and they come in three four years and then next thing you know you got Glenn Robinson the third in the NBA you got Hardaway Jr. in the NBA Trey Burke in the NBA you have Garrett Levert you know even though you got hurt in the NBA Mo Wagner it's like he's starting to think more progressively and getting these kids acclimated for the NBA now that's what I like to see you know what I'm saying that's why I think they're so successful because they're running that spread out offense they have a big guy in the middle who I feel like if he keeps working and gets more confident in his shots and, and steps out and hits a three once in a while. It's going to help him out. Five, seven foot three in the middle blocking shots. He's a big dude. He's strong. I just love the way they're built. They're built like an, uh, an NBA team, ready to run it, fast pace, good shooting. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm, I'm high on them, dude. I think they're, they're easily a top, top five team. I think they're going to the, to the, uh, to the final four, but I just don't, I don't see anybody beating Duke at this point when it comes to the championship. Well, <laughs> Look, I'd like I really try to refrain from, you know, making big predictions in November, but you know, do what you got to do, man. You said like you're good. You got the fire in your belly. You're going to go for it. Like I love it, dude. Um right. <laughs> Like I said, like for me, it's a lot like watching Michigan State at this point last year. It's very difficult to find flaws in their game. If I had to pick one for Michigan, I think the biggest one, the biggest flaw they have is definitely free throw shooting. Yeah. I, I can I can see that I can see that Brzezikas missed a lot of a lot of free throws you know so did Matthews Matthews isn't good at the line um Xavier Simpson to me is sneaky quietly good he's a great facilitator he's worked on a shot over over the summer he has a little better shot because he looked like he was just hoisting it up there now it looks like he's actually you know like locking his elbow snapping his wrist actually looking like he's been working on his form so. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I get what you're saying now. A, a horrible, horrible free throw showing. And I think, I think Beeline's get, definitely addresses that stuff. So, yeah. Um, in terms of Michigan and Michigan State basketball, I don't know what else we got to talk about at the moment. Um, but, you know, I, I'm probably a little bit higher on Michigan State than you are right now. Um, but I feel, I feel like I've only got good things to say about Michigan at the moment. And Michigan State, I've, I actually really like where they're at as a team. And I think this is going to be one of those teams that does develop and grow together. And you see kind of a, a little bit of a lack of talent it's made up for at the end of the season. So right now I'm excited about Michigan State basketball. Um, you got to limit turnovers. You got to start out faster because I've been kind of annoyed watching them start out in uh, 8, 10, 12, 19-point deficits and have to play from behind. But I think they'll right. be fine. Michigan, I'm very excited to watch them play Purdue on Saturday. Uh, they'll tomorrow probably three thirty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, tomorrow's Saturday. It's Friday. I totally forgot. Yes, baby. Friday, baby. Happy Friday. Um, yeah. But I'm super excited about the state of basketball in the state of Michigan. Like, I don't know. I feel like when Michigan and Michigan State basketball are both on, like this is when our state is at its best, you know, or maybe when the big three is thriving. But other than that, right now, I feel like the state is at its best when uh, the college basketball teams are doing what they do. I think that's because because we're mega, super, uber, dumb, geeky fans when it comes to college basketball. (laughs) Um, And for uh, mega, super, Duper geeky fans. Um, you know, we talked, I think it was in August, about the tweet that Chris Evans, Captain America, sent out. Or yes. Instagram post. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it was a long thing about when he first started playing Captain America and finished shooting on that day. Um, but Joe Russo, one of the directors of the past few Avengers movies and the upcoming Avengers movie, um, kind of leaked out some information that maybe Chris Evans isn't putting down the shield for good quite yet. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think about this because with all this, you know, I, I just posted something about Netflix canceling, uh, uh, Daredevil and all the Marvel shows and, yeah. It was, and then I read another article saying that Disney doesn't even want to pick up those shows, which I think is stupid because they're so good, especially especially uh, especially Dare, Daredevil. Daredevil, right? Yeah. So, are we going to see uh, him reprise his role on you know the Disney streaming service, or is he not done? 
or is it just going to be cameos like in Spider-Man Homecoming? You know what I'm saying? When they're doing like right. all the fizz ed stuff. <laughs> right. And they bring out the TV and they play or um, the Ant-Man and the Wasp. Or they had the, uh, in Thor, they had a cameo in Thor when, uh, uh, what's his face? Loki switched, the, uh, switched to uh, Captain America and was talking crap. You know what I'm saying? Right, are, right. Are, are we just going to see cameos? Are we going to see, you know, uh, Hugh Jackman, Hugh, Hugh Jackman as, as Wolverine cameos because he won't play Wolverine anymore? Like, that's where I think it's going to go. We're just going to see cameos. They're like, you know, he's going to come in at some parts. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't see him full blown coming into playing Captain America. And also, I think this might just be a Joe Russo, no pun intended, ruse to get people to come and just. Uh, watch, you know, Avengers and keep on going with it, thinking that they're going to see Cap when they're not really going to see Cap. They, they might see a picture of Cap or they might have his funeral. They might have his funeral picture up there laying in a casket or something like that. But I don't think he's going to have such a crazy major role. I think it's just this is a ploy with Marvel and Russo and Avengers and Cap to get everybody to go. And then they're going to like sadly disappoint us. But we're going to say, hey, at least we got a little bit of Cap, you know? Well, you know, I feel like you don't really need to pull any ruses uh, to get people to line up to watch Marvel because you just slap Marvel on it and they'll watch it. This is true. But um, here's here's the quote that I found from Joe Russo. It says, uh, talking about uh, the social media posts Chris Evans made and um, you know, finishing up shooting for Avengers Four. He says, "I think it was more emotional for him than it was us because he's not done yet." I won't explain what that means, but fans will soon understand what I'm talking about. So I feel like he's kind of hinting at something happening in Avengers 4. Like, maybe maybe Cap dies and becomes a Force ghost. I don't know. Right. <laughs> he's going to come back as a Force ghost. They're going to get out of here. Shut up, Joe. That is, that's a good one. But um, Wars is part of the Disney... Uh, monopoly now so you never know and like is this a big like is this a big ploy too to um now that you know they acquired x-men and fox and everything is this just a big thing to start setting us up for an avengers versus x-men you know what i'm saying because uh, you know from 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 a comic book standpoint a lot of people did not really we're not really big fans of the avengers versus x-men you know what i'm saying you basically you see a group of series Basically, what boils down to is you can see a group of uh, group of superheroes that you like fight against a group of superheroes uh, that you like. Um, was it, did we not just see civil war? You know what I'm saying? So it's like I don't want to see like like me like like I said this before with DC. I, I'm tired of seeing like oh the team ups. Let's see a team up. No man, start taking you know your offshoot characters like. Like what they're doing with the, uh, with the, the Joker Joker movie, like a standalone Joker movie has not been done because every time we've seen Joker, it it's accompanied to Batman. You know what I'm saying? So like or Venom, or, or Venom. You know what I'm saying? We didn't see like was a surprisingly good movie. Same here. I thought Venom was. Oh, we'll yeah, about that next episode. Yeah, we'll talk about next episode. Yeah, I thought it was great, and it had no other superhero cameos. It left you with a nice yeah. n- nice cliffhanger at the end. You know what I'm saying? So. I thought there was like one Spider-Man universe reference in it. And that was the only thing I could pick up on. Right. Um, Sasha, I hate to cut off our, um, our Marvel talk for the moment, but I just logged on to Facebook and saw the Kansas city chiefs released Kareem hunt. Yes. Did you hear about it? Did you hear about what he did following the video that was released? Yeah, it, it, it is. It is a gruesome video, dude. Like I want to say gruesome. I haven't watched the video, but I know what happens, and I don't think I need to see it, you know? Yes, if you want to, I can play by play for it. Um, so, like, what happened was, I guess they were at a hotel, and there was this girl. She was 19. This I'm, I'm going to say her side of the story first. I'm going to say his entourage side of the story first. But what it boils down to is whatever she said, connect around like that. So, I guess she was in a room with them, and Kareem Hunt wanted this chick to hook up, you know, sexually with one of his entourages. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that. And he's like, then get the fuck out. And he pushed her out. And then they got an argument, argument ensued. And he reached over his reach over his friend and pushed the girl. So the girl like stumbled back, came back and smacked Kareem Hunt. And then, um, and then he started going crazy. And one of his boys held him back and his other entourage came and held him back. And then one of his other buddies 
kind of like try to like have the girl like come on you like like go away just you know stop it and cream came around the corner and hit his buddy who was talking to that girl into the girl the girl went face first into the wall and like was sitting there for a second like got up and kneeled again and then cream come cream uh, came over and kicked her and for his camp says that she was being really she was drunk and being very violent and angry and started calling him the n-word in the in the hotel room that's why he did what he did but it doesn't matter what she said she could be the uh, the, uh you know the, the the grand wizard's granddaughter you know what i'm saying you still put your foot on her you still pushed her down you still smacked her around and nfl's not going to give a shit you know what I'm saying? They have strict, strict domestic violence issues, and I think they dropped the ball because this happened back in this happened back in like March, before it. And why does why does it always have to have a friggin' video has to come out? Same thing with Ray Rice before they do anything. I think NFL dropped the ball on this one, and they just look stupider just for doing it. Right. I just want to say like kudos to the Chiefs for releasing him the day of because. Um, I had heard like a few rumblings about it happening, but like I hadn't really heard any talk until the video uh, broke today. Um, but look, so many teams will like make excuses for the players and keep them around. And Kareem Hunt was a great player in his second year. And I just think kudos to the Chiefs for just cutting him loose, you know? Yeah, most most definitely. And like this is under this is right. You know, a team like the Chiefs make a good move like this, even though it's sad for both parties, for Cream Hunt, too. He's a young man. And if it was a mistake, you know, that's a mistake you have to live with, young man. You don't be, put your hands on a woman, woman, especially in the, this anti-domestic violence day and age with the whole Me Too movement, you know what I'm saying, with everything being under surveillance, you know what I'm saying? He, I hope this is a big lesson for the kid. But, you know what I'm saying, this is coming off of the Washington Redskins acqu- acquiring Reuben Foster, you know, yeah. you know, two years after he's gotten dressed. About, so so what message are you sending your players in your league where you're saying, hey, you know, maybe two years from now we can pick you up off of waiver wires after you've already had domestic violence issues. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what is their my, thought process? Because here's Chiefs doing the right thing in everybody's uh, eyes and then the Red City Skins doing the wrong thing in everybody's eyes. It's like there needs to be consistency in the NFL, man, because it's, it's looking like a shit show. Like they don't care unless – I don't give a shit if uh, what happens. Oh, there's a video out. Now we have to give a shit. Like, right. You know? Yeah. But yeah. That's our, our breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, yeah, that's crazy. Kareem Hunt. I mean, it, it, if you can watch a video, it's not like so crazy, not but like, like yeah, not super graphic, but just like, like I, I have four daughters, dude. I don't give a, I don't I don't care if it was Mike Tyson doing that. I'm gonna find Mike Tyson. I'm gonna put a bullet in his fucking head. You know what I'm saying? That's me. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't care if it's the toughest, baddest motherfucker in the world. They're not bulletproof. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't right. touch girls. Don't touch women like that. You're, you're an NFL running back. She is a hundred and ten pound chick. If she hits you with the N word, bash her on social media and ruin her whole life on social media because people hate racists, right? Obviously, because yeah. racists are assholes. So if she really did go to the point where she was calling you an N-word and this and that, that and this, laugh in her face and put her on blast on social media. She'll lose her job. She'll lose any kind of credibility. She'll just be labeled and marked as racist for the rest of her life. And you'll be you'll be sitting as one of the best NFL running backs and still making millions. But now you're licking your wounds, bro. You now know what I'm saying? Now you got a job. Yeah. So is what it is, man. That's life, dude. And I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an expensive lesson because it's costed that man his career. Mm-hmm. And again, I just want to say kudos to the Chiefs. I'm sort of becoming a Chiefs fan because I love Patrick Mahomes so much. So like, I don't know. It would it definitely would have been difficult to watch them with a player like that still on their team. So I'm glad they made the move. Absolutely, I'm I'm with you on that one. Yeah, other than that, um I think I think we covered what we got to you today. I didn't know you'd seen Venom, man. Yes, I saw Venom like a few days ago. And okay. I still have to see Halloween, man. I'm I'm still itching to see Halloween. I haven't gotten out to see Halloween, but I really did want to go see Venom because I mean the the, the symbiotes like are, are are my favorite type of dudes, you know what I'm saying? Carnage, you know, yeah. 
Venom, Riot. They they all you know. I would like to see in the Venom movies more symbiotes coming, and because there, there's like a plethora of. I mean, you know I'm saying they all, they all have cool abilities and stuff like that. So I would like to see that more in the Venom movie because I know Carnage with Woody Harrelson's gonna come out because they picked Woody Harrelson because. <laughs> I think they picked Woody Harrelson to be Carnage because of Natural Born Killers. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. With, yeah, they picked him. They, they they wanted that was their inspiration for uh for uh for Cletus was uh uh Woody Harrelson's acting in Natural Born Killers. So I'm really excited to see that as well. So um I was pleasantly surprised for for Venom. A lot of people didn't like it. I enjoyed it, you know. So I can't. I, I hope it hope it takes off. I'll have to watch it again because I saw it um, opening weekend. So that was, I, I think I saw it like October 4th or 5th. Uh, so I'll have to re-see it. But yeah, um, cool. That gives us something to talk about on our next episode. Absolutely. But yeah, I think we covered everything, Joe. I think so. Um, yeah, you know, a little bit depressing at the at the beginning talking about current state of football. But, you know, it got better. It gets better, you know, talking about our basketball teams. Maybe Captain America not hanging it up, but probably is. And also, it's Farbar's birthday. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Happy birthday, Farbar. Happy birthday, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, for Beers for Radio, I'm Joe. And I'm Sasha. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you guys later. This episode of the Beards for Radio podcast is brought to you by Farbar. Handmade, dyed, screen printed, and sewn products like hats, shirts, hoodies, and more. 100% original designs. This is a self-made small business started locally by Ypsilanti native and a good friend of mine, Farbar Bagarpur. These products are high quality, groundbreaking, best fashion possible, and will ship to you as soon as he can do it. Visit far-ebar.com to check out the next great addition to your wardrobe. Do it for me, do it for the beards. Do it for my man Farbar.